0: Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome again to Calvary Santa Cruz. It is great to have you here. If you're visiting or you're new, we hope you feel welcome and know that we're one big happy family here and we just want you to be a part of the body of Christ. We don't have membership at Calvary Chapel. You just show up. You're a part of the family. That's how it works. Well, go ahead and turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. We continue our verse-by-verse study through the New Testament. I encourage you to read 1 Samuel chapter 24. We'll continue our Old Testament uh, study on Wednesday night, so be be reading ahead for that. Um, Again, quickly, just a couple of things. Be praying about the building situation. We've looked at a few more this week, a couple that we're actually pretty excited about. But at the same time, we know that there's a lot of permit process and things like that. But again, the good news is God's in control, and we won't be anywhere He doesn't want us to be. So we pray that if He wants us to be there, He'll open all the doors for us to be there. And if He doesn't want us to be there, we don't want to be there anyway. Amen? Amen. Also, be praying about the radio station. We're coming close to them making a decision about that. It'll be in October. So again, if you're new and you don't know about it, we have put in uh, for a permit for a full-power radio station, which would mean that we'd have 24 hour days, day 7-day-a-week Christian radio in Santa Cruz, that we would do all the programming for it. We'd put... Pastor Chuck and other Calvary pastors on there, as well as our local stuff. I'd love to have like a Friday night with a youth group on there. I just think it would be awesome to reach Santa Cruz, have a full power FM radio station. Again, God's in control. If he wants us to have it, it'll work out. But we need to pray. Amen? Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 12, but by the way, of quick review, just to bring you up to speed. Remember that this is the letter, again, written by a Jew to the Jews telling them to quit being Jews. Book of Hebrews, okay? He wrote it to them because there was a temptation in the midst of trials, in the midst of, of outward persecution, and the, in the midst of inward being drawn back by family and friends to their old faith that they had left when they gave their life to Jesus Christ. Because you have to understand that most of the Jews did not get saved. Even though the Jewish faith all pointed to Jesus, all the Old Testament prophets spoke of Jesus, all the Old Testament feasts, everything about the sacrificial system was pointing to the Lord. Yet when he came, most didn't recognize it. And most of the Jews continued on in their Jewish faith while many of the, a good number of Jews got saved. As we know, it we'll started off with a small number, 120 grew to 5,000. And now we're at a point where there's persecution coming for being a Christian. And at the same time, while there's outward persecution, you can imagine family and friends saying, Well, we miss you down at the temple. You know, you need to come back for a visit sometime, bro. You need to come back to the old way of life. Well, this entire letter really has one main theme, and the theme is this Jesus is better. And he is better. He's better than the prophets. The prophets were good, as we saw in chapter one. Jesus is better. In chapter two, we saw that the angels are good, but Jesus is better. In chapter 3, we saw that Moses and the law is good, but Jesus is better. The law shows us our need for a Savior, but it cannot save us. That's why Jesus had to come. We then got to chapter 4 last week. And in chapter 4, the, the whole focus of the message was on entering into his rest. You know, he came that we might have life and life more abundant. And sadly, too many Christians today are striving and working to try to win God's approval. Guys, you cannot work enough to be good enough. That's why Jesus died. And he wants us to enter into his rest. And he used as an example this writer to the Jews. He wrote to them reminding them of the children of Israel who escaped bondage in Egypt but then wandered in the wilderness for 40 years as an entire generation died. And it says because of unbelief and a lack of faith. They got right on the doorstep of heading into the land of promise, but because they were faithless, they listened to the words of men over the word of God. They listened to what ten spies had to say instead of what the Bible said, or the word delivered to them from God said, through Moses. That they were to enter into the land, they were to go in and take it. And sadly today, the same thing happens in the Christian church. We get more caught up in what men say instead of what the Bible has to say. And as I said last week, there were 10 spies who came back with a bad report and two with a good one. And I don't think that the ratios have changed much. It's still a lot like that today. And you know what? We need not heed what men say. But what does God say? What does His Word say? The Word is indeed the authority for everything in life. And so if we want to enter into His rest, we too must trust in His Word. We must seek Him. We must realize that the work is finished. Guys, as long as we think there's more work to be done, we'll never have rest. We'll always be trying to be better. We'll always be trying to do more. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't good works produced by faith. Of course there are. But it's not faith, It's not works that produces faith. It's faith that produces works. And so you just fall in love with the Lord. You seek first His kingdom. You make Him the passion of your life. And the good works will indeed follow. So this morning, as we continue on in Hebrews 4, I titled the message, The Living Word and Our Great High Priest. It's actually going to take two weeks to go over this, because it goes into all of the next chapter. But over the next two weeks, we're going to see The Living Word and Our Great High Priest, both of them, great descriptions of the Lord, because He is the Word, and He is our Great High Priest. Now, here's the problem that we have today that they had then. As fallen men and women, we want something tangible we can touch. Someone visible we can see. Children of Israel wanted King Saul. If you've been coming on Wednesday nights, he was good looking. He was taller than everybody else. This is the king we can follow. But sadly, that was true also, even at this time when this book was written, because so many people were looking at the physical circumstances rather than the spiritual one. We, like the faithless children of Israel, are prone to elevate the words of men above the word of God, to seek wisdom and direction everywhere but from the Lord. And we also ascribe fame to men and women. I'm actually blown away, we will get to the text right now, but I'm blown away by this. Why does anybody care about Brad and Angelina and Paris and Brittany? I don't get it. But every time I go to the store, that's what it's all about. Amen or what? You know what? You know, and I'm just going to say it, if you spent more time reading about that this week than you did in your Bible, you need to repent, (laughs) amen? Amen. I mean, that's just weak, who cares? Whatever, that's my answer to the whole thing, right? Who cares? You know what? We need to read the book, don't wait for the movie, be in God's word because he wants to transform our lives, amen? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the power of God's word, the living word of God. If we're not careful, we're going to end up ascribing admiration to men when we ought to be looking only to the Lord. There's only one that deserves to be famous, Amen. and his name's Jesus. There's only one that deserves to be our hero, that deserves our adoration, that deserves to be praised. I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't even, I don't, who, why do I want someone's autograph? I don't get it. Sign a piece of paper for me. Ooh, I got a piece of paper with someone's name. Who cares? Let's get in the Word. Let's seek after Him. Amen? I pray we'd be so focused on Jesus, we'd walk right by those famous people and not even notice them. If, they, if nothing else, tell them about Jesus, amen? amen? Let's sign something for them. Let's write down John three sixteen and give it to them. <laughs> Let's do that instead. So, the living word in our great high priest, revealing our deepest need and providing the way to redeem us from it. That's what we'll see in the next two weeks. It's going to be against oral little panic when, you know, we're 45 minutes in and I'm on the fourth verse okay but point number one we're going to see the living word the living word transforms us and reveals truth you want your life to be transformed spend time in god's word and we'll talk more about that number two as we'll see part of it this week and the rest of it next week our great high priest will see that jesus is better and we're going to see nine ways at least there's probably more but nine that i found in these few verses that show Jesus is better than any high priest who had ever been on the planet. Again, those high priests were good, Jesus better. Jesus is the answer. He's the fulfillment of everything the high priest pointed to. And lastly, next week we'll see the source of spiritual maturity. So let's begin in verse 12. The living word and our great high priest revealing our deepest need and providing the way to redeem us from it beginning by looking at the living word it transforms us and reveals truth look at verse 12 for the word of god is living and powerful the word for there means seeing then or because or therefore so in context of where we are in the scripture from last week in light of the heavy consequences of unbelief and disobedience. That's just what he's been talking to them about. Reminding them of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Never entering into God's highest. Why did they miss it? Because of unbelief. Why was their unbelief? Because they were not spending enough time in the word. Guys, they didn't have as much word as we do today. They had to have it given to them. Guys, we have it in our lap. You know what? Let me say something. Sometimes I think we take it for granted. The Word of God. The Word of God. What you have in your lap is the Word of God, the Word from God, and the only Word of God. And He has taken His Word. And we are so blessed today. People hundreds of years ago, people on this planet even now, would give almost anything to have even a portion. We have 20 Bibles at home, some of us. Collecting dust, buying a new version and a new thing and a new st- nothing You know what, guys? Let's read the ones we've got already. Let's, you know, blow the dust off and get that thing out and spend time in the Word of God. It's the Word of God. I know I'm repeating this, but guys, sometimes I think that we know it so much, it becomes common. Yeah, I got the Word of God in my hands. Now imagine how different you would feel. If you went out in your backyard and a meteor came out of the sky and landed in your backyard and put in a 25-foot pit, and on top of this, this smoldering asteroid, you looked and you saw this shiny, you know, metallic thing, and it said your name on it, from God. And you went out there, and you waited for it to cool, and you got some mittens out, and you, you pulled, and it said a message to you with your name, from Almighty God. You'd be handling that thing with, you wouldn't wait for it to cool down. You would get that thing out, and you would read it as quickly as you could. And you know what? Sadly, what we've done is we've got the Word of God, and again, it has in too many places become common. We don't have time for the Word of God because we do not place enough emphasis on the God of the Word. If He's the passion of our lives, we will want to spend time in His Word. So in light of the truth that people are falling away, this is an exhortation to get into the Word of God. That not only reveals the deepest truths of who we are, but also transforms us. Changes our lives. And again, I want to make this clear. There are no other words of God. This is it. No more books coming. Amen? We're not adding to it. The Bible says if anybody adds to it, deletes, takes away from it, let them be accursed. And sadly, what do we see? Entire religions today. They've got whole other books. Well, we got these other books. Well, I went out into the thing, and this angel appeared to me. I got some more books. Somebody else, oh, that book's wrong. It doesn't say what. So I changed the book. We don't change the book. We don't add to the book. We don't take away from the book. God doesn't need our help. Amen? His word is perfect, and there is no other word but the word that's in your hand. You know, it's interesting. At the pastor's conference a few years ago, Sandy Adams was talking about the importance of the word of God, and he was talking about how he went to Augusta to the master's. And he was sitting on the green with this guy who runs a bar. And he said, you know, that, and when you're a pastor, there's always an opening to talk about Jesus. Because people will eventually ask you, what do you do for a living? And that's a great opportunity to tell them. And Sandy told me he was a pastor. And this guy's response was classic. And I love it. He said, now, help me out with something. You got these seminaries, right? And people go there for like six years and people go to Bible college and study and then people come to your church every week and you study and you study and you study. Guys, you only got one book. How long does it take? You only got one book. And you know what's awesome about that? That that bartender in Georgia knew more about what we ought to be doing than many Christians do. We got one book. Let's read it. Let's spend time in it. You know what's sad? There are people who have been saved 20 years who have not read the Bible cover to cover. How is that possible? I don't get it. I'll tell you how it's possible. We're too busy watching Brad and Angela. We're too busy watching something else. We're too busy letting the Bible be an afterthought. I'll give God five minutes at the end of my day when I'm nodding off. You know what? We need to give Him our first fruit of our time. The Word of God. It's the Word of God. You know what? The Bible rocks. And it will absolutely transform your life, but it won't if you stick it under your pillow closed. It doesn't work that way, amen? And I want to encourage you, being here and having the word of God taught to you is a great thing, but this should be gravy to what happens the rest of the week. What happens during the week ought to be you hungering and thirsting after the Lord and spending time in His Word because it will transform your life. It will change who you are. It's a love letter. It's an instruction manual. It's the very divine expression of Almighty God Himself written to you. And we are so blessed to have such great access to His Word. The word Word there for the Word of God is Logos or Logos depending on how you pronounce it, and it means something said or reasoned or a divine expression. His word is an expression of his very person. In the beginning, John 1, 1, was the word. John 1, 14 then says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's the word? Jesus Christ. You want to know the God of the word, spend time in the word of God. Now, God's word not only reveals truth, and transforms lives, but allows us to know him in a personal way. Again, we should spend time in it every day. I'm amazed, you'll do a counseling session, and someone will come up to you afterward and go, well, all you did was give me Bible verses. That's all. You got you got anything else? Got a book I can read? You got a, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. No, you don't. You don't want my thoughts, they'll be lame. God's word is sufficient. Look what it says. The Word of God is living. This is not a dead book. We are not reading Moby Dick. Amen? This is the living, breathing Word of God. I've had people say to me, well, I've read the New Testament. I don't need to come on Sundays. I only come on Wednesdays because I have been through the Old Testament yet. I'm like, this is the Bible. We're not reading a, a novel. You know what? It's living. It transforms us. It is such an incredible book. And praise God, that he wrote it down and made it clear to us. Now, let me take a moment. I want to say a few things. I have, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty excited because I love the Bible. If you're new here, that's I do, I love it. It rocks. But let me tell you some things God's word says about God's word. Let me just tell you some things. I'll go through these fairly quickly. God, these are things God's word says about itself. God's word brings fruitfulness and success to the things we do. It has the power to heal. It cleanses our way. It keeps us from sin. It is our counselor. It's our source of strength. It imparts life to us. It's a source of guidance and understanding. It gives peace to those who love it. It has power over the demonic. It's an expression of the very person of Jesus Christ. Hearing God's word is essential to eternal life. Abiding in his word is evidence of true discipleship. God's word sanctifies us. God's word builds faith in us. Where do we get that verse? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by? Word, the word of God. That's our theme verse. God's word builds our faith. you want your faith to grow? Spend more time in God's word. A lot of people come to me and say, I wish I had faith like you. Just read the Bible like I do. Amen? I wish I had faith. I, you know, someone said that to John Corson. I wish I had faith like you. John Corson said, spend as much time in the word as I do when you will. It's not a mystery, you guys. God's not hiding from you. He doesn't want to keep you from having faith. He doesn't want to keep you from growing in the Lord. Guys, if you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? Amen? God's not moving away from you. He wants to draw you unto himself. And one of the main ways he does is he gives you the living, breathing word of God and says, let me speak to you. Let me minister to your heart. It's available to you. You give him five minutes of your time a day, and that's the kind of walk you're going to have with the Lord. We need to spend more time. It builds our faith. It assures us of our salvation. It is the sword of the Spirit. It's our weapon for spiritual battle. It works effectively in those who believe. It sanctifies even the food that we eat. And it is our source of spiritual growth. The Word of God. It's good. Let me encourage you. Read it more. So it's living. What does that mean? Again, it's the very breath of God. Of the living God. It's not again, it's not a collection of, of musty stories and myths. It has life and power. Sometimes people will say to a pastor, You make the Bible come alive. No, he doesn't. The Bible makes him come alive. The Bible is alive. It doesn't need to be resuscitated, it doesn't need CPR or nothing. The Bible's already alive. It makes the man come alive if he will just teach it. Amen? And so next time you want to say, oh, you made the Bible. the Bible made you come alive, bro. That's what happened. And we didn't know the Bible can make every one of us come alive for him. But it won't happen if we don't spend time in his word. In Acts 7, when the children of Israel made the golden calf, it's interesting. It said they rejected the living oracles of God. Even then, the Bible was living. Even the Ten Commandments, living. The word of God is alive. It's not a dead book. Then it says living and powerful. The word powerful is energetic, mighty, or active. It has the power to awaken the conscious, to lay bare the secret feelings of the heart, that cause the sinner to tremble at the truth of coming judgment, and the power to bring conviction to those who are outside of his will, as well as to transform the lives of those who are walking with him. That's what my Bible, that's what your Bible, that's what God's Word can do. You want your life transformed? Spend more time in His Word, Pastor Dave. That's just too simple. There's got to be something else. I, I shared this with, with the Wednesday night crowd a few weeks ago, so I'll share it with you. I'm going to give you your first counseling session at Calvary Santa Cruz free. Here it is. They're always free anyway. No matter what you say when you come in, I'm going to tell you to do this: you spend a time in the Word. Well, um, not uh, no, not 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 so much. Okay, you spend a time in prayer. Well, not. you have you have godly friends, you in fellowship. No. Go do those things. Amen? Amen. It's amazing how we spend time in God's Word and we spend time in prayer seeking His face and we're surrounding ourselves with godly people who keep us accountable and hold up our hands in times of difficulty that the trials of this life are nothing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Guys, when we turn to His Word, when we turn to the Lord, when we're passionate for Him, the trials of this life are nothing compared to to the greatness of our God. God's Word is living, and it is powerful. It has the power to take us dead in our trespasses and sins and make us new creations in Christ. The Word of God opens our eyes to the truth of who He is, and we need to be in it more. We need not to be ashamed of it either. Again, I'm being pretty open this morning, and I know that surprises you, but let me say this. I am shocked at how many churches are getting away from the Word of God that is tragic and it's a sign of the end times when we apologize for the bible when we say that it's boring when we say the bible's not boring you're boring amen the bible rocks the bible's great the bible's awesome the book of leviticus is awesome every every letter every dot everything in the bible it's there for a reason and we ought to be excited about it it's god's word So it's living, it's powerful, it can transform lives. And then it says it's sharper than any two edged sword. It's able to cut with great precision. It can convict both the most on fire believer and the person who is lost and doesn't know God. It does surgery on the human heart, it cuts out the diseased tissue and brings healing all at the same time. It performs surgery. It'll come in, and what's amazing is it's so accurate. It's so right on time, it cuts perfectly. It's interesting that we see the only offensive weapon in Ephesians chapter six is the sword. And the sword is God's word. If we wanna impact the world around us, we need to be people of the word, the word of God. You know what, guys? When you spend time in God's Word, isn't it amazing how you'll go out and you'll be talking to a coworker or a neighbor and all of a sudden, the very thing you read that morning is appropriate for you to share with that person? It's amazing how when you spend time in God's Word that God then uses you to share His Word with others. When you hide God's Word in your heart, it not only keeps you from sin, but it also allows you to minister to others. Lord, help us to spend more. What if we spent as much time in the Bible as we do watching TV? Oh... That would be scary. Amen? People are like, well, I, what are you talking I don't watch TV. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Amen? Don't lie. And I'm not talking at you, I'm talking with you, okay? Football season's coming, I love the 49ers, all right? I, I, I'm, 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 I'm confessing it, but I love Jesus more, way more. Amen? And God's word should be the priority. Now let me say this, it is amazing, it says there, look what it says, a two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Now what's interesting is that God's Word can hit with such surprising precision, no spot too tight for it to get into. The Holy Spirit empowers the Word to do a deep work in our hearts. Often people will come up to a pastor after a message because it's so relevant to their life, they think someone's told on them. I can't tell you how many times someone gets, did my wife call you? Because, now the good news is when you teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book, it's hard for people to think that you, you know, are tailing a message to them. Because we don't do that, we just teach the Bible. But here's the point, it hits us all. And it's always right on time. And it is amazing how relevant and how perfectly on time it is for every single one of us. It's the sharpness of the word of God that delivers the message in just the right place. It touches us where we need to be touched. It cuts out what what needs to be cut out. It brings healing where there needs to be healing. That's the word of God. Guys, it's our mighty counselor. He's our mighty counselor. The more time we spend in his word, the less time will need to seek the counsel of men. The word piercing means to go through or to penetrate. When you see the word soul and spirit, the soul speaks of our intellect, our emotion, our feelings, our affections, our flesh. By the way, those things all lie to you. Do your emotions ever lie to you? Oh man, yeah, well I feel. Okay, how you feel? Okay, great. Let's put that aside. What does the Bible say? But we do that all the time. I do it. I feel I think, I I feel. uh, Feelings lie. But he divides between the feelings. He divides the word of God, the intellect, the emotion, the flesh, the affections. And he divides it between the soul and the spirit. The word spirit there is pneuma, which, which to breathe into. It also is a reference to the Holy Spirit. So the word of God divides between what's just our emotion and just our flesh and what is really of the spirit. You want to know if it's from God or if it's from your flesh, spend time in the Word and He'll show you. You spend time in the Word, He'll divide out what's really from Him and what's from you. Too often we think, well, yeah, but I, I'm convinced. And I'm amazed at the things that people will say. Yeah, but I, I just, I've prayed about it and I have this feeling and I believe this is, and it's contrary to the Word of God. Guys, God's Word is never wrong. We often are. Amen? But we'll say, yeah, but I, feel, but I think, but I had this experience. Well, I had this dream. I had this vision. Again, are there dreams and visions from God? I believe absolutely. But remember this, that all of them can be confirmed by the Word of God. They will always be in a line with the Word of God. There's no, if it's new, it's not true. Amen? There's nothing new under the sun. God's Word is sufficient. So it penetrates the very essence of who we are, and it divides out our emotions from the truth. It divides out our, our fleshly wants from spiritual direction and spiritual truth. That's why we need to spend time in God's Word, as it will clearly direct our lives. It says there also, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word discerner there could be interpreted, it's a critic. It's a critic of our thoughts and our passions in the the things that are in our heart, and it judges the intent, what we really mean. Guys, deep down, we may not even fully grasp what our intentions are. We think we're going in that direction for the right reason, but the Word of God will often open us up and reveal the truth about what we really are pursuing. So often we try to conform our circumstances to fit the Word of God instead of walking in the Word of God and allowing it to transform our circumstances. Allowing it to be the priority. Allowing the Word of God to come before we try to change it. We don't change the Word of God, it changes us. The Word of God cuts through all the passion, desires, emotions, gets to the depths of the matter, it reveals truth, and it exposes the true condition. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from its sight. There's no creature. You know what? God sees everything. His Word exposes everything everything you spend time in his word he will open you up he'll reveal the truth and again he already sees it every man and every woman will give account to him one day for every thought for every action and none will be able to claim righteousness he's seen every action he's heard every word doesn't that blow you away that he still loves you anyway amen he that knows me best loves me most and i'm blown away he knows every wicked, vile thought I've ever had. Things that I, that, you know, every one of us have things that we don't want anybody else to ever know. And he knows. And he still loves you. That's grace. Amen? And that's the God that we serve. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked, naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden from God. So why don't we come confessing to him what he already knows? Amen? Too often we're afraid to be transparent with God, but he already knows. When when we're not transparent, all we're doing is holding on to sinful behavior instead of coming confessing it before the Lord. He just wants us to come and tell him what we already know. What he already knows. The truth. The word naked there, it's interesting, it reminds me of how God saw Adam when he was hiding. You know, God sees right through our hiding. Sees right through who we really are. And see, you've got to understand something. In context, the Jews were contemplating turning their backs from the Lord and turning back to a works-based religion. And he's saying everything will be out in the open. Everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done, the Word of God is going to expose the truth. And you know, he sees it all. And you need to understand that. And instead of turning back to a works-based religion, turn to the Lord who by His grace desires to redeem you. Jesus sees, God's word reveals just how feeble and foolish one is when he attempts to make himself holy and acceptable to God. Guys, the Bible tells us that as born-again Christians, we are saints. We are saints. We are sanctified. We are set-apart ones. But we are not saints because we performed miracles or because we did good works. We are saints because we have been adopted into the family of our Savior through the shed blood of Jesus Christ who has set us apart unto himself. We are saints. And so you might say, well, I don't know if I'm a saint. Well, you're either a saint or an ain't. Amen? Amen. You're either a saint, you're going to heaven, or you don't know God. And there's nothing in between. You're not on your way to being, if you're born again, you're a saint. And praise God. That we're made saints, not by anything we've done, but by what he's done. So the living word in our great high priest, the living word transforms us. It reveals the truth to us. If we want our lives to be transformed, let's spend more time in his word. You know, it's an interesting analogy for me. I find the word of God, and you would never know it looking at me now, but I used to be a bodybuilder. Don't laugh all at once, okay? But here's the point. And I used to work out four or five hours a day, six days a week. This is a long time ago, as you can tell. But when I did, but when I did, the hardest part for me was getting to the gym. Once I got there, I loved it. But getting there, you know, it's a lot easier to sit on the recliner and eat a donut, you know? Than to get in your car and drive down to the gym and put on your stuff and go in the health club and work out. But once I got there, I loved it. I find the same, and it's just for me. I find for me, every time I open up the Bible, I'm blessed. Every time I am minister to, every time I'm enriched, every time I'm strengthened in my faith, sometimes the hardest part is just opening it up. And there's an enemy that wants you to keep from opening up your word, the Bible. Can I encourage you, put a Bible by your nightstand on your bed, put a Bible in your car, put a—I I mean, just have the word of God wherever you're going to be, amen? And uh, you know what, and, and, and look for opportunities to open up the word. Take a Bible to work, if they give you heat about it, take it anyway. Amen. Love God. Be, don't be ashamed of him. It's the living, breathing word of God. Now let's talk about our great high priest. We're only going to look at, the, at a few verses here. We'll begin to look at some of the nine things about our great high priest, Jesus, who indeed is better. Let's begin in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now, isn't it awesome that that comes right after it says that all things are open to him and we must give account. All things are open to him. We must give account. All of us, guess what? Sinners in need of a savior. All of us, it's wide open. The word of God reveals it. It brings conviction. Oh man, what are we going to do? Now what? What? The Word of God has revealed the truth of who I am. God's seen exactly who I am. I may be able to play it off with man, but God knows exactly. And then what am I going to do? Praise God for verse 4. Seeing then, we have a great high priest. Now, what did the priest do? Specifically, the high priest. The high priest represented God to man and represented man to God. He was an intermediary between God and man and between man and God. He would be the one that would receive the word from the Lord and deliver it to the people and then he would make take sacrifices for the people and bring them to the Lord now you need to understand something in context what a temptation this would be for the Jews and no doubt a question they dealt with okay you're a Jesus follower now who's your high priest you know now understand something for the Jews they've been going to the temple they've been making sacrifice They had seen the the robes that were worn by the high priest. They knew on the day of atonement that he would go into the tabernacle, or the temple in this case, which is a picture or model of heaven. He'd go into the holy place and then into the holy of holies, and he would sprinkle the blood, and again, making atonement for their sin for the coming year. And And again, all of that was, they had lived with that their entire life. It was God's plan up until Jesus came but when jesus died on the cross that veil was torn into that holy of holies and now it doesn't take the priest to enter in but because of the great high priest you and i can enter in anywhere and any time into the presence of almighty god but understand it can you imagine the temptation The the temple was still there when this letter was written the trumpets were still being blown the sacrifices were still being made and the christians were following christ and christ had gone back into heaven And so, well, we still have the, the, you've seen our, you know, the temple. You've got to understand something. If you've ever seen a model of Israel, the temple was unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, it almost looked like it took up a third of the city. It was a massive, incredible place, gold, and just unbelievable, this place. And all of a sudden, they no longer went there. All of a sudden, they, you know, the priests and the sacrifices, and, and the Jews could say, we still have the temple. What do you have? Where do you guys meet? Well, we meet in a gymnasium, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even meet in a gymnasium yet. They were meeting in houses. We have the temple. What do you got? You mean a house? What's up with that? We got a high priest with robes. What do you have? We got all the pomp and circumstances. We're still making the sacrifices. What are you doing? What do you have? Now, understand that we know and understand the truth, but... For the Jews, what a great temptation that would be. You need to just come back to the temple, bro. Temple's still here. We're still making sacrifice. That's what you did for the first 40 years of your life. Now all of a sudden you don't need to do that anymore. What's up with that? So these questions were coming. And so he's writing this letter to address this temptation to inform them that they do have a high priest. Not only a high priest, but look what it says. A great high priest. No other high priest was called great. And no other high priest will ever be called "great. And the truth is, no one else ever deserves the word "great" next to their name, but our Savior. Amen. And he is the great high priest. And again, this is a, a potential stumbling block, but we do have. And the word "great there means "eminent," in ability and virtue, in authority and power. Jesus is the great high priest. He's better. He's greater. Aaron was good. Jesus greater. All the high priests that came after him, used by God, some of them not so good, some of them evil, some of them fell away from the Lord and did corrupt things in the tabernacle and in the temple, but Jesus came, and he's better. And you know what? Because we have the great high priest, we don't need priests anymore. Amen? We We don't need an intermediary that tries to take the place of Jesus Christ. We don't go into a box and confess our sins to a man because we can confess them directly to the Father through the Son. Amen? Now, I want to make it very clear. We love people to do that. And, you know, God bless them. We want to pray for them. And often it's done out of ignorance. But the truth is, why would we go to a man when we can go to God? Why would we want to run and ask a man for direction and wisdom when we can go to the creator of the universe? He's a little smarter. Amen? He's a little smarter. He's way smarter. So how is he greater? Look what it says. So we'll, go through, we'll get a few of them here. It says, we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Well, you got a priest, but guess what? Our great high priest came from heaven. How about yours? Where did you get yours? Where did he come from? Well, actually, he, he's a Levite from, from down, down the road over here. Where, ours came from heaven. That's where ours came from. And by the way, he went back to heaven. Where's yours now? Oh, he's in a tabernacle or the temple that's a model of heaven. Well, our high priest is in heaven. Yours is in a tabern, a temple, and once a year he gets to go into the Holy of Holies that the veil's been torn. He shouldn't be going in there anymore anyway. But he goes in there once a year. Guess what? Our great high priest is there always at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us always. Your high priest goes in once a year, and you know what? The work's already been finished, and it means nothing anymore. But our high priest is seated at the right hand of the Father. We have a high priest who is from heaven and is now in heaven. So, how is he greater? He came from heaven. How is he greater? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The priests of this world are not. He is in heaven. After his death on the cross, he, came, he left heaven, took on humanity, died in our place, and now has ascended to heaven, and he intercedes for you. This literally means he's praying for you. You ever think about the fact that Jesus is praying for you. midst of temptation, he's interceding for you. Wow, what a great God we serve. Jesus is better. He's in heaven, the temple priests were not. He has daily and constant access to the Father, the high priest did not. Jesus is not in a model of heaven, but is in heaven itself, and he, again, intercedes for us at all times. Every one of you who's a born-again believer has a friend in a really high place. Amen? Amen? People used to say to me, well, my best friend did this, and my best friend did that, and my homie's got my back, and my this, and my that. And I say, you know what? My best friend created the universe. Amen? How about that? Put the stars in the sky. That's my best friend. That's who we follow. Jesus is better. He's in heaven. And again, he's there by the, at the right hand of the Father. Not only is he in heaven, it says this. Who has passed from the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Our high priest is the son of God. You know what? These guys were sons of Aaron. That's good. Amen. Jesus, son of God, better. Way better. Amen. The point he's making to the Jews who are being tempted to go back. Why would you go back to follow after a man when you can walk with God? Why would you go back and try to, you know, seek after a man and seek intercession from a man and make sacrifices through a man when you can come directly to the father through the son jesus is the son of god now i'm sure he didn't do it this way but can you imagine you know someone reading this and then going you know they come, the family member comes back man come well my high priest is the son of god who's your high priest how much incense you got to burn to equal son of god that's not going to work for you right son of god better And guys, it is so tragic that we try to put layers between us and God when He came to remove all the layers between us and God. That's why He came. So that we would no longer have to go through all those things to try to earn His faith. Guys, He paid the price. We can enter into intimate fellowship with Him even now. Why would you leave the Creator of the universe, God made manifest in the flesh, for a mere man? But again, many today run back to religion and rituals when we know and we should know that Jesus is better. He's better. He's the best. He rocks. He's the son of God. He rocks and he is the rock, amen? And then it says, let us hold fast our confession. Guys, knowing that we have a heavenly high priest, that our high priest is the son of God who intercedes for us constantly, we're to hold fast to the salvation we have in Him and to nothing else. When we stand before Almighty God in judgment day, He's not going to ask you where you went to church. He's not going to ask for your baptismal certificate. He's not going to ask for your tithe records. And some of you are going, "Well, that's really good, actually." You know, He's not going to ask for anything other than what have you done with His Son. And if you're with Jesus, you'll enter into His presence. And if you're not, It won't matter what else you've done. Jesus alone can get you into heaven. We need to hold fast to our confession that we've made in him. Hold fast to who we are in Jesus Christ. How in the world can we be ashamed of him? How in the world can we be afraid to speak his name when he hung on a cross and died that you and I might have eternal life? Lord, help us to be bolder. Lord, help us, fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard me say it before, but people are coming out of the closet for everything else. It's about time for the undercover Christians to come out of the closet for Jesus Christ. It's about time for us to let everybody in the office know we're saved. Amen? Now, do it in love. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be arrogant. Don't have an attitude. Have a servant's heart. But be the best worker in the building and let them see Jesus in you. Hold fast to your confession. Are you a Christian? Don't mumble. Yes, I'm a Christian. Amen? Yes. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I got a guy say to me one time, are you some kind of Jesus freak? Yes. Who better to be a freak for than Jesus Christ? Amen? Are you a religious fanatic? I've had that. Uh, yes. You know, fanatic, right? That's where you get the word fan. People are fans. People paint themselves colors for a football team right go out in cold weather and paint their stomach with a letter on it oh right and yet we're ashamed to be a fan of christ to be a fanatic for him lord help us amen let's have a greater passion for him than anything else verse 15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. You know what's awesome? The word sympathize means to suffer along with. Jesus took on humanity, and he can sympathize with us because every temptation you have faced, he faced it first. And he endured it without sin. But he can relate, because he understands, because he can sympathize, because he became a man. And in becoming a man, he endured all temptation, and yet without sin. He knew sorrow, he knew grief. He knew pain far beyond any pain we've ever known. And I believe he knew temptation far greater than any temptation we've ever had. Go to John 4. Go, you know, read in John where he, he's led out into the wilderness. Remember, right after he was baptized, he's led out into the wilderness. And out in the wilderness, what happens? He's tempted by the devil for 40 days. And remember how he responded to temptation. What did he do? He quoted what? Word of God. That's the example for all of us. Amen. When temptation comes, we need to know the Word of God and be able to walk in it. Again, not far away, He's not an unrelatable Savior. He's one who became like us. He's an example for us. I'm so glad that we can see the Father by looking at the Son. Jesus is better. He's better. He's a great high priest. He's come from heaven and not only that it says and yet without sin Every high priest, you know the first sacrifice the high priest had to make every year for himself He would have to go in and the first sacrifice is sacrifice for himself So that then he could be cleansed and worthy enough to go in and make sacrifice for others Jesus never had to make a sacrifice for himself He's perfect he always has been he always will be he's holy god he's better they're talking about their high priest our high priest doesn't need to make a sacrifice for himself you know what's amazing about our high priest he's the high priest and the sacrifice at the same time he doesn't make sacrifices he is the sacrifice he is the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world he's the one we follow after he's better through him we have heavenly access He's the son of God. He's sinless. You know what else? I love this because it says that he is, can sympathize with our weakness. But you know what else? He's also a high priest forever. Every high priest that they had died. They died. They had to get a new high priest. Oh, I to get a new high, oh, what happened? High priest died. You know, when they would go into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around them in case the guy died in the Holy of Holies because nobody else could go in there. And if he died, they'd just drag him out by the rope. It's true. Now, what's interesting about that, our Savior doesn't need a rope. He's not dying. He'll always be high priest, amen? He's been the high priest for 2,000 years. He intercedes on our behalf. He's the only high priest we need. He's the only source of salvation. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's it. Why in the world would we want anything else? Why would we put something else on equal plane with Jesus? Well, Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or... That's very popular in Santa Cruz, isn't it? Well, if that works for you, bro. That's good. And if that works for you, man. For, yeah, that's awesome, man. I have another path. One way, God said, to get to heaven and Jesus is the only way. You know, Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Hare Krishna is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Mary Baker Eddy, dead. Charles Taze Russell, dead. All the leaders of every cult and religion out there is dead. But Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who triumphed over sin and death. And so we don't serve a dead God. And why would we put dead gods on the same plane with the risen Savior? And how dare we? You heard, I don't know if you heard that they had a Hindu priest just pray in front of the Senate recently. Man, are we getting away from God or what? You know what that makes me do, though? It we me say, well, I want to say one thing. Charge. It just gets me excited. Okay, all right, Lord's coming. Let's be about His work. Amen? Our life is but a vapor. We have so much time to serve Him. He's the great high priest. He will always be priest. He will always be in charge. He will always be in control. And having Him, we have continual access to God. We don't need to go to the temple. We don't need to have a sacrifice. We don't need rituals. We don't need an earthly high priest. We can pray to Him in our car driving down on, on the freeway. Aren't you glad? Praise God! There's no place; it's a person. We don't go to a place; we go through a person, Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. Jews to hear of this high price, this high priest who gives access any time would be so contrary to anything they had learned before. For them, it was always once a year, Day of Atonement. You know these these sacrifices, these feasts. That's the only time it could happen. And you know what? It was so foreign for them to hear that it was different. Last verse we're going to look at this morning. So in light of all that, we have a high priest who will always be there, even though we have blown it, even though our sin is revealed by the Word of God. We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. He's the Son of God. We need to hold fast to our confession. We need to realize He can sympathize with us. He's sinless. We can always come through Him. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Guys, because we have a high priest, one who finished the work, is compassionate and is gracious towards us, we can come boldly to his throne with confidence. Guys, I can stand here, you can stand here, if you're a born-again Christian, and say, I am going to heaven. Heaven is not a hope-so, it's a no-so. Amen? I don't hope I'm going, I know I'm going, not because of who I am, but because of who Christ is and what he did for me. It's not anything I've accomplished, it's what he did. He's the Savior, he's redeemed us. We can come boldly to the throne with confidence, why? Because we come through the Son. It's not because we come in our perfection, we come in his And through His holiness, He's made us holy. He's made us acceptable before the Father. And we can come into the presence of the Father and seek His face. We can come to the presence of the Father and pray and intercede on behalf of others. Guys, if we came before God based on our own good works, we'd be afraid of being crushed and we ought to be. Amen? Can you imagine? Well, I had a pretty good morning. Maybe I'll try now. I'm blowing it all day today. It's actually been a pretty good day, as far as I can remember. Good day to go see God. Let me go try this, right? Not so much. But you know what's great? You can take a million steps away from God it truly is only one step back. And He is a God of love and grace and mercy. And no matter what we've done in our past, we can come now with boldness before the throne of grace, having accepted Jesus Christ, our great high priest, The Son of God is our Lord, our Savior, our God, and our King. He loves us. He redeems us. He's chosen us, adopted us, accepted us. He's made us a part of His family. He no longer calls us just friends, but brothers and sisters. We're a part of His family. And you know what? One of the names for God is Abba Father. Abba Father means Daddy. And Daddy is not someone who is far away. Daddy is someone who loves it when you run to Him and crawl up into His lap and spend time in His presence. Guys, we need to run to our Daddy. We need to run to our Abba Father and know that He's available and do it with confidence. Because of Jesus, we can come with confidence and find mercy and grace. Mercy is not being given what you deserve. Oh, amen to that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, man, I could pray for, we could pray for the uh, next 20 years for that. Mercy, not being given what we deserve. What do we deserve? Hellfire. Oh, pastor, I didn't come for that. I brought a visitor. You said hell. Here's the point. All of us. You know when you say, I got saved. Saved from what? Saved from hellfire. Amen? That's where we were headed. Separation from Almighty God for all eternity. We say saved. We don't often say saved from what? We got saved from hellfire. Praise God. He's given us mercy not giving us what we deserve, but he doesn't stop at mercy, he goes on to grace. Not only does he not give us what we do deserve, he gives us what we don't. I'm not going to give you the hell fire you deserve, I'm going to give you the heaven that you don't. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace knowing that he wants to give us mercy. Through his shed blood on the cross, mercy is available and so is grace. And all we have to do is come and ask. That's the God we serve. Guys, how in the world can anything in this world be overwhelming when we get that in focus? Again, you've heard me say it a hundred times, so hundred one won't kill you. The worst thing the world can do to you is the best thing that could happen to you. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You can't threaten me with heaven, amen. And so there needs to, we just need to live that kind of life sold out for God in the understanding of who we are in Christ and not be ashamed of Him and know that we can boldly come before His throne of grace. Know that He is there. And look what it says, last few verses, to help in time of need. Guys, when you have need, run to the Lord, not from Him. The enemy wants you in the midst of the trial to run from the Lord. Run to the booze, run to the drugs, run to the... to a sexual relationship. Run to gamble. Run to anything else. Find your your peace in something else. But you can only find peace in the Prince of Peace. And in times of need, don't run from God. Run to Him. His arms are wide open. Can you imagine how His heart must break as you are hurting? He stands right there, arms open wide, and you run the other way to only bring more harm and more destruction and more separation. But you know what? Even if you've done that, He's still standing right there saying, come on home. I love you. You're my child. Grace does not ignore justice. I want to make that clear. We should never cheapen grace. Grace operates in the fulfillment of God's justice. You know what? Because of the cross, it's just because Jesus paid the price that you and I won't have to. Amen? Sin requires death, but he died so we don't have to. Sin requires suffering, but he suffered so we don't have to. And praise God for that. So guess what, guys? Jesus is better. He's a better high priest. Through Him, we can come with boldness. He's better because He's in heaven. He has direct access to the Father. He's better because He's the Son of God. He's the Creator. He's God in human flesh. He's better because He's without sin, something that no high priest could say besides Him. Through Him, we can come to the throne boldly. Now, next week, There's six more points. You're going to have to come back now, see? But there's six more reasons why Jesus is better. I was going to read them, but I'll just wait, okay? So Jesus is better. He's better. Nothing compares to him. To know him is to love him. And the way you know him better is to spend more time with him. You spend time in his word, you'll know him better, and you'll love him more. You meet people on fire for God, I promise you, they're spending time in His Word. You see people that just love Jesus, they're spending time in His Word. They're spending time in prayer. You see people bold and sharing their faith. That's someone who's been hanging out with the Creator. They're so focused on Him, they're not worried about what men think. So Lord, help us to recognize that He is better. He's a gracious God. We have a great high priest who intercedes on our behalf. Let's spend time in the Word because it is living It is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It does perform surgery. It opens up the truth, reveals who we are, and sometimes it brings the conviction we need to make us run to our high priest with confession, the confession that we need to be holding on to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it is alive, that what we read, we can study the same chapter week after week, and, and you minister to us in a different way every time because your word is alive father i pray that you would give us a greater passion for you a greater passion for your word a greater heart to pray a greater burden for the lost lord we thank you that you are our great high priest we thank you lord we don't have to drag lambs in here on sunday and make sacrifices we thank you lord that the price has been paid that it is finished it's paid in full and lord we're redeemed not because we're good but because you're great and you love us. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Help us to live life sold out and set apart unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and close a worship song.